0: Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannan. On April 24th, the Hamilton Southeastern, or HSE, School Board voted down a proposal to list protected groups of students and employees in the school district as protected classes in its non-discrimination policy, that vote was four to three. That was a vote on first reading, so the board must vote once again on second reading to enact the policy. That second reading vote is set for May 8. After the April 24th vote, a group formed with the name of HS Equal to oppose the policy that did pass on first reading in a four-three vote which says the school corporation will follow federal and state law. I spoke with two leaders of the HS Equal Group, Jamie Cairn and Michael Vance, during the afternoon of Thursday, May 2nd. at the Ignite Space at the Hamilton East Library here in downtown Fishers. If you've never been to the Ignite Space, I'd highly recommend you come. Take a look at it. It's where Launch Fishers once was many years ago before they moved into their new quarters. Uh, You have artistic uh, supplies galore. You have 3D printers here. We are recording this in the AV studio with very good acoustics for audio and video recording. So all those sorts of arts forms are here if you ever at the library anytime it's open, come down to the lower level, the Ignite Space, any of the librarians here would be happy to give you a tour. Today, we're going to talk about HS Equal. We'll talk about how the organization was formed and why. We have two representatives from that group. We have Jamie Cairn, and we also have Michael Vance. To the two of you, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Larry. Uh, We're going to talk about your organization, why it was formed, what it's doing. But first, I'll ask Michael to start, uh, just talk about yourself a little bit, just uh, so people know who you are.
1: Sure. So I've lived in uh, the same house in Fishers for as long as I've lived in Indiana. Uh, moved down here about 16 and a half years ago for a job opportunity. Had that same job at that same employer. Been uh, one of the, uh, uh, I, I believe still, the largest private employer in the city. Um, certainly one of the...
0: Must be Naviant,
1: though.
0: Um, <clears throat> sure. <laughs> I'm just a Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Uh, <clears throat> But uh, but yeah, um, uh, and when I say private employer, I believe second only to um, the school district. When you add in public employers, uh, and we'll talk more about that. Um, I, I um, my wife Marcy worked for twelve years in the schools as a sub and an IA. Um, she left for private employment four years ago. Uh, have two children who went through the school system. Um, uh, older, <coughs> me, older daughter. Excuse me, older daughter Emma. Um, now 22, uh, trying to wrap up at IU, and uh, younger daughter, Kelly, um, who came out as transgender a little over a year ago uh, and um, was a a 2016 graduate, um, has been at at, uh, Purdue in West Lafayette and
0: downtown at IUPUI. Jamie, let me give you that opportunity.
2: I am a family law attorney by trade. I've practiced family law for about 10 years in Indianapolis. I am married and have two kids, a three and a five-year-old. The five-year-old will start kindergarten um, in the fall at Fall Creek Elementary. Um, I have lived in Fishers for four years, primarily moved here for the school system. So um, Michael and I and Marcy bookend the school situation. Um, And it's kind of funny that we don't have anyone in the schools currently, but... um, I think we bring a good mix because they've been through it and I'm going to go through it. So, um, yeah, that's that's me.
0: Yeah, just for full disclosure, my uh, twin daughters went K through 12 to HSC schools. They're both now in the mid-20s, married, adults contributing to their own societies where they live. One lives here, near here, and the other lives in South Dakota. With that out of the way, uh, I know the answer to this, but I'll give you a chance to explain it to the audience. What motivated you to to be so heavily involved in in this whole issue of the school non-discrimination policy jamie you want to start
2: I mean, I know Michael and Marcy. Michael and Marcy and...
0: Talk about who Marcy is.
2: Marcy is Michael's wife. Okay, um, And she's another co-founder, the other co-founder of HS Equal. Um, Michael and Marcy are my husband and my best friends. We hang out a lot and do a lot of things together. Um, so that's full disclosure, if you will. Um, and I know Kelly and have known Kelly through her transition. Um, I've also always been an ally. So that's... It, it, without knowing Kelly, if someone would have notified me earlier, I may have been an ally even then. Um, but that's really, my passion has always been for equality. So
0: Michael,
1: yeah. And, um, <clears throat> similarly, I, I think that whenever somebody, um, gets involved in an, in an issue that is this broad, because we are talking about the entire, um, <clears throat> the entirety of the non-discrimination and equal opportunity policy, not just the, uh, uh, gender identity and sexual orientation aspects, but whenever somebody gets involved in an issue <clears throat> this broad, there is usually, there's something that pushes them over the tipping point. Um, and so, yes, for me, because of uh, my experience, and even though, even though <clears throat> my daughter is out of the school system, um, she's uh, she's working to become a math teacher. So, the employment aspect uh, of a policy like this matters very, very much to her. Uh, totally aside from, you know, from what the, the you know the impact might have been. On her, uh, when she was still a student uh, um, in the schools, going through it and considering her transition, she was out of high school when she did come out, but she'd been thinking about it for a long time, including back when she was in high school. So, it, it's um, yes, there is that tipping point issue, but um, yeah, I've, I've always been um, uh, progressive, uh, certainly socially, and uh, believe that that this is a really important issue for society in general.
0: Most people living in the Fishers area or even the Indianapolis area probably know about what we're talking about. We have a few listeners outside the area. So just what I want to do is to read the uh, amendment to the uh, proposed policy at the April 24th school board meeting that was voted down. And it said, quote, the school corporation does not discriminate. In its educational or employment activities on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, including transgender status, sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, disability, age, religion, military status, ancestry or genetic information, nor on any basis prohibited by applicable federal or state laws. And I'll close the quote. That particular um, uh, amendment was supported – well, actually, the motion was made by a board member, Julie Chambers, another attorney, um, and uh, was supported by Janet Pritchett and, and Michelle Fullhart. It uh, did not pass by a, a 4-3 vote. So explain why your organization generally does support that proposal by a board member, Chambers.
2: Well, our organization wouldn't exist if, um, if that amendment hadn't occurred, frankly, because we um, – Michael, Marcy, and I all attended the board meeting on Wednesday when we became aware of what was going to be heard. We weren't aware of it until – I mean, I think we committed to going at 6 p.m. and the board meeting was at 7. Um, so it wasn't on our radar. Um, went to the board meeting and then um, – I left the board meeting early. Michael stayed after. Um, But I woke up the next morning and just said, like, like, there are more people in our community. I saw some rumblings on some other Facebook pages of people being pretty unhappy with what had occurred. And obviously there were some poor language choices by some board members um, that fueled that fire. But I just, I said to Marcy, I texted her and I said, we got to do something about this. I'm going to make a Facebook group. And we started the Facebook group about 11 a.m. on Thursday by that evening we had a thousand people
0: that was the day after that was the day
2: after the that vote, was the day after yeah. the vote. Um, and it was in the news obviously so people were seeing it um and then right now we're sitting around 3200 people and we're not even a, a whole week out frankly from the vote so um I don't even remember what your initial question was, but I thought the background on HS Equal was helpful. Yeah,
0: that was uh, why the organization supported the language that uh, board member Chambers had proposed. You want to get to that, Michael?
1: Sure. So, uh, um, I mean, <clears throat> where do we start? Um, I mean, we've been calling this <clears throat> a, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, a progressive, fully inclusive, uh, non-discrimination policy. Um, emphasis really more on the. On, on, on the fully inclusive part, and the uh, but if you look at surrounding districts, um, it's really not terribly progressive. Um, the the uh, um, uh, Indy Star did us a favor and surveyed the policies of of uh, fifteen districts in Hamilton. I believe they hit every district, ended up hitting every district in Hamilton, and Marion County, except for Beach Grove uh, in the article, and all but, uh, all but three. Uh, have this language, um, and the reason why they have this language, and pretty much close to most of them have th- this exact language, is because this is it, it is template language that suggested uh, by I, I'm blanking on the exact organization, but but a a, a school board a school board association an
2: Indiana school an Indiana school board association.
1: School board association. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we we can call it new and novel and progressive, but really locally here in the metro area, it's not. Um, and, and so <clears throat> there's all sorts of reasons. It's, it's for the benefit of students, for the benefit of the, uh, uh, of the teachers that it has a direct impact of. It's uh, needed in order to – especially considering the alternative that they ended up passing out of first reading, which did not enumerate any protected classes, not even the ones that have been longstanding and historically uh, uh, named in policies like this. Uh, but it – Possibly even leaves the district open for legal liability um, by not being specific, because right now it just kicks it uh, to fe- to federal and state law.
0: Well, let me let me read yeah, that sure. just just real briefly because I want to read the policy that did pass on on first reading it has to go through second reading. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but at that same meeting on April twenty fourth, the following language did pass, and I'll quote again: "The school corporation will not discriminate in its educational and employment activities." On any basis, prohibited by applicable federal or state laws. I'll close the quote there. And it was um, it was approved. It was voted in. Uh, the people who voted in favor in that 4-3 vote were board president Michael Botthorff and other board members uh, Amanda Shera, Sylvia Schepler, and, and Brad Boyer. So, Jamie, tell me what your group thinks is wrong with that language. Michael's already talked about that.
2: <laughs> well, as a lawyer, um, I think saying that you're going to not discriminate against an unknown number of classes is too broad and too unknown. I think the issue I keep coming back to is how does the school corporation train its employees and the students and its administrators to follow the policy when the policy's not quite clear as to what it could be. And it could change at any time. I mean, as uh, the superintendent testified at the hearing or stated at the hearing, I should say the, um, The Supreme Court is set to hear an LGBTQ issue, um, which I believe is gender identity. And so in 18 months, it could change. So I I just don't understand why you're going to base it on a law, the law as a baseline. I'm a lawyer. I I love the law. But the law, especially on this issue, is too fluid and it it changes and it changes with the current of the political times. So it could change again. And it just seems – Counterintuitive to me that an organization as large as HSE would not want to have a policy that's very clear and cut and dry and that they don't have to worry about changing.
0: And, Michael, the law, really, if you look at it, is is the baseline. I mean, as 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 was already mentioned by Jamie, I mean, you have to follow the law anyway.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you,
0: that, would, that doesn't have to be in your policy. You are, if you don't follow the law, you pay the price for it.
2: They don't need a policy if that's their policy.
0: Yeah. And so I, I guess the question, I mean, just kind of elaborate on this a little bit, because from what I have studied, the law quite often does not give you a, a specific requirement. Sometimes the law gives you a little wiggle room as to how you want to word things. So even if the Supreme Court looks at it, they may not give specific definitions of what you well, need well, to do. And,
2: and interestingly, I, I know you said okay, Michael, but – <laughs> You're the lawyer. Yeah, and
1: I, as a lawyer,
2: I just want to say that um, there is um, – the Office of Civil Rights, the, the Federal Office of Civil Rights has – some information contained on it and if you look at the transgender information – and again, this we're not just – this isn't just about transgender issues We and we want to make that abundantly clear. And that clear.
0: listing was very inclusive that right. I just read. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, but for transgender issues, which right now there is – there's a difference in the circuits as to what's rep- rec- recognized as discrimination. So – which means that throughout the United States, it's not the same. So – right now though on, on, you can find language on OCR where um, the federal government has sued school corporations I believe one in Minnesota and one in um, California for transgender issues and it's not against the law nationally in my opinion but they sued them and both of those school corporations as part of the settlement which was public had to agree to adopt a very specific non-discrimination policy which says to me it's the federal government or at least it was now these were under a different administration. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the federal government's policy to say that in order to fix your problem, part of what you need to do is pass a very specific non-discrimination law and, or policy. And both of those schools have that now.
0: So should, should the law be the determinator? Should you work within the parameters of the law and make – should you say more or less? I guess that's the question yeah. before the board. What's your view, Michael? Well, so
1: like you said, the law is the baseline. Um, in my professional life, so specifically, um, um, I, uh, I'm in IT security uh, and so between uh, – and, and uh, my employer is a federal contractor. So there's – as well as working for lots of state governments and other municipalities. So there's lots and lots of laws that we have to follow um, in order for what, what the baseline that we have to do uh, for, for computer security. We also have lots of contractual requirements and everything that we have to do in order to do that. But one of the things that, that I always talk about at work is that there's a difference between compliance and security. Um, and one of the fundamental differences is that compliance requirements always lag behind the real threats and 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 the real issues because it takes time to <clears throat> to get things to require the stuff you really should be doing if you really want to be safe and secure um, in order into, you know, codified into those compliance requirements and into contractual language that everybody agrees on and everything. So you've always got to be looking forward at what do we need to do in order to, in order to do the right thing? And the same principle applies here. Um, and that's that what do we need to do in order to keep students safe and secure in their educational environment, every student? What do we need to do in order to keep uh, staff all staff, teachers who have a nice contract that gives them, you know, some limited uh, – a lot more employment security than necessarily some of the other staff members, IAs, custodians, cafeteria workers, uh, some members of the administration. Uh, and and <clears throat> so what do we need to do in order – so that everybody ha- knows what that level of security that we really believe in, not just what we have to do?
0: So far, uh, you've had quite a response uh, to your uh – your movement. Facebook really created this. I mean, you, and people flock to you from that. You've had a, I wasn't able to attend the meeting you had last Saturday, after, the Saturday after this vote. I was out of town at a, at, a, at a family gathering, but I was able to watch it through Frank Whalen, a member of your group who live streamed it. So I got a chance to see quite a bit of it, at least from that point of view, but since that meeting, you have reached out, and, and so far, uh, Fisher's Mayor Scott Fadness, State Senator Jim Merritt, the local One Zone Chamber of Commerce, and there have been others who have um, basically supported the effort that, that you're, I mean, everybody has a little bit of a, uh, maybe just a, a slightly different slant on it, but generally, I would say, is supporting what your your group is is, uh, is trying to do, so um do you expect others to join
2: yeah there is a statement that's going around today it just finally got finalized um with a a lot of other organizations that we're hoping to sign on Um, i don't want to name names because i would like for them to be able to review it with their um, various board members and legal teams Um, but we do expect more organizations to sign on to a, a statement in support of a more inclusive policy um and I suspect that we'll also see more people that come out on May eighth for the actual board meeting um, through various entities, including church organizations, businesses, because um, we think that's really important for everyone to understand. Um, I mean, I think one zone statement though is Michael worked really hard to get that, frankly, and I think that is is really telling that the businesses are saying this is important for us too, for you know, recruitment purposes. That's the same thing they've been saying about RIFRA, so. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that they were in favor of it, but in favor of our position, but um, it's nice to see that they're willing to to say it.
0: You know, Michael, I, um, this is not the first time the local chamber has come out on an issue like this. They've done that before. But what I found interesting is that they feel that the business interest here is making sure that in the future the businesses – and many of them are high-tech, and that's the area where you work – that a lot of high-tech businesses will not be able to recruit particularly young employees unless they're, they feel that the community – uh, is being inclusive and and protecting uh, people who have who are in this list that we mentioned earlier, so uh, you said you were involved in in working with one so and how how did that conversation go so
1: one of the uh, one of the senior executives uh, at um, um, uh, uh, at Naviant has a long history. He's involved with the uh, uh, with the HSC Foundation Advisory Board. He's a past board member of the Fisher's Chamber of Commerce before the the merger with Carmel to create One Zone. But he's still very active in there. And so he helped make the connections um, with those groups. And uh, um, he's also a uh, he, what he's in charge of at Naviant is and yes, okay, I did come on actually uh, uh, confirm it. <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> um, uh, um, is HR, and we have a very progressive uh, policy. Um, that was uh, introduced under his leadership, uh, and he also has um, uh, two children who are graduates of the uh, uh, um, um, of the schools and <clears throat> so I mean, he's got all the credentials, um, but uh, and he plans to speak at the meeting on on on, on Wednesday too. Um, uh, he's 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 made he's made that perfectly clear in public. Uh, but so he's helped out a lot um, and uh, making those connections and 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 urging those uh, those things. But everybody that we've gone to uh, has you know most have indicated you know that have actually given statements have indicated yeah it was you know you know we saw this and and we, you know, we were going to say something anyway. So you know thank you for for. For, you know, for
0: asking us to do that, too. Jamie, i got a question for you. Could this HSE equal have been formed as quickly as it was without Facebook, social media?
2: Uh, no, and it could not have been formed had that board meeting not how, gone how it went. We don't want to harp on the negativity of the board meeting for a variety of reasons, um, but I frankly think that the Facebook group was really – I mean, there was a catalyst for it. There's no doubt in my mind. Because there are people, that's really important that we recognize who have been trying to get an inclusive non-discrimination policy with the school board for years. Some of them, um, and they came before us, and they're still around. And they, you know, they have been doing a lot of things. There's been a petition on Change.org that's existed for I think s- more than six months, maybe even. Yeah. Um, so y- they've been trying and didn't get any traction. And I, and I don't, I didn't know those people until we started HS Equal, so I can't say what they were doing publicly then. Um, but it does it definitely seems that whatever happened at that board meeting ignited something in a lot of people um that 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 again i don't think there had been any there hadn't been any reason for people to really talk about it before that they were aware of um i think a lot of the people that have been involved to date not all of them have a very personal reason to be involved which i i completely understand um but what HS Equal and this recent movement has brought out is people that don't necessarily have a personal stake in it. It's just people that believe in equality. And Michael, another aspect
0: of this, uh, that April 24th meeting was only the second meeting that had been live-streamed publicly. It was the third, new, actually. Was, I think – was it the third? Okay, yeah. I may have lost count. It was the second or third. So uh, they had just started this this live-streaming and uh, putting a recording online And I think I was the only reporter there. But all of a sudden, there was a lot of media attention. And I think that a lot of the media attention came because that recording was there and the media could go back and show clips from it. Specific. Now, I'm going to just tell you, I've covered the school board for over seven years. And the people who made some of the comments I made at that that meeting had been making those comments for a while. But I think this was the first time the community actually heard that. And uh, so what impact do you think the video had on 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 the on the media coverage and and the reaction by the public oh, it i
1: mean this was a lot of um as jamie indicated, a lot of serendipity contributed to um you know to this movement being able to take off we were in the right place it was a matter of of uh the video the accessibility of being able to see and hear it um you know almost live almost as if you were there um, <clears throat> It was, uh, it was us going and 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 getting involved. It was the first time that either of us had ever s- spoken at a school board meeting. Um, but you know, as Jamie said, also, you know, it, this is a proverbial case of us standing on the uh, you know on the shoulders of giants too. There are you know because we wouldn't have heard about it and known about it, um, you know, if it wasn't for you know that the issue had already gotten traction that other people have been pushing for. Um, well, and,
2: and, J- and to be clear, though, Jana and. Um. Not yeah. Janet and Julie both posted, and maybe Michelle posted about it on Facebook beforehand. Yes. Uh, So Julie was Julie was aware of what Mm. was coming and was trying to drive people to the board meeting. So
1: yeah. I mean, but but social media and and just I mean there there was there was a lot of factors that and is any one more important than the other?
2: Yes, I think the video is more important, whether Michael does it or not. Probably, pro- I mean, probably. For, me, for media coverage. I, yeah, because pro- I probably for the media coverage. There.
1: But as you said, you know, even even if the video had been there, but we didn't have social media, we didn't have Facebook, um, you know, not sure that it would happen. If it, if it uh, you know, if we hadn't been able to organize um, and, you know. And I don't want to say that somebody else wouldn't have done what we did, but you know, one of the other things that we've that we've um, um, that we've emphasized, and it started that night immediately after the meeting, is um, is emphasizing a tone of positive engagement with the board members who voted no to try to convince them otherwise, rather than name calling and negative and harping and, 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 and harping on what on 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 the things that were said. Is okay, let's. Let's keep the tone of the conversation um, about moving forward rather than just worrying about that.
0: In 2015, I was at a meeting when this was first discussed. I think the current policy had been on the books for 15, 20 years, something like that. So the board in 2015 looked at changing the language, and two very brave staff members at HSE schools got up and said, this isn't strong enough, and the board kind of backpedaled, sent it to policy committee. It had been in the policy committee until it came up this year. That's how long this has been put in the back burner. People have been afraid, I think, to deal with it. Maybe because they're 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 aware of of the divisions in, in the community. So uh, let me ask you this, and either one of you can chime in first. If you have strong feelings about this issue, what would you recommend someone do?
2: So we have a number of action items um, that we've posted about. Um, but I guess the first thing you can do is to to join HS Equal, if you feel uh, supportive of the policy, we will be abundantly clear that the group is not for debate. We don't. Um, we're, we're not there to debate the appropriate policy at this stage of the game. We don't think that that's a good use of resources. So join the group. Um, we also obviously plan to attend the May eighth school board meeting. We expect a lot of people to be there. Um, that's going to be an interesting physical dilemma. Can I, I mention that? Can,
0: can I say something about that? Because I've been digging into that the last couple of days. There was discussion internally about moving the uh, location of that meeting because of the expectation of a large crowd. Well, the other side of that is I think the school board was a little concerned that uh, if that were to move, there would be no video. They don't have video equipment that's mobile. So, they, in order to have a video stream uh, live and recorded, they have to use. the the building on on Cumberland Road. I understand they're going to try to have an overflow room with a video if you cannot get into the room itself. And even if you want to speak, you could move from that room to the Boardroom and speak, but uh, that's my understanding of what the setup will be now.
2: Yeah, and that was, I had that confirmed to me this morning. Um, I attended the policy committee meeting, and um, a member of the administration said that that's exactly what's going to happen. And I, we had heard the video issue before, too, because they've previously moved meetings to FJI, to
1: the, uh, yeah, <coughs> the LGI, to the LGI at Fishers Junior There was a
0: discussion of moving it to the Fishers Junior Harbor. They've had big crowd meetings before, but I think the video in installation had an impact on sure. on that whole. They didn't want to f- act like they were trying to hide from right. the video production.
2: And some other things people can do briefly. Um, sure. We're planning to wear red to the meeting. Um, that's if you're going to go wear red to show your support. Um, we have some smaller subgroups for people that want to speak if they want some advice on speaking. And we have some great people helping us out with that. Um, write the school board. And I think the writing the school board uh, by email including Dr. Boroff um, but writing them all, and not just the ones that are in favor, and not just the ones that are against, writing them all at the same time. And
0: their email addresses are on the HSC school website. Yeah, on the school
1: yeah. website, we have them posted in an announcement on the group, good. as well, so mm-hmm. they're real easy to find.
0: Well, let me ask you this: <clears throat> I'm starting to hear rumors, and I'm curious what you've heard that there have been some private discussions going on, uh, and from these are from people who would be in the know that are telling me this. I don't want to be named. Uh, But there are some private talks going on in an effort to reach a solution. Anything either one of you want to say about that?
2: We've heard. um, I'm hesitant to say much because... It's up to you. I have a lot of thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have concerns, just to be very vague, that a policy will pass that sounds better than it actually is in practice. That is my big concern. However... I understand that there are stakeholders involved who will be happy that we get a policy passed that mentions some of the protected classes, regardless of whether it's the perfect policy.
0: Michael, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think there is – and Jamie kind of alluded to this, but is there room for compromise on an issue like this? Um. Taking, it's taking you a moment. Yeah, to, to think I, I, about I, that.
1: I really, I mean, honestly, I, I, I do not think there is certainly not long term. Um, it, you know, there is, <clears throat> there is, uh, you know, probably going to no matter which way the vote goes on Wednesday, there is going to be a group of people that uh, that are unhappy, um, either because uh, it's not going to include, it's not going to be a, as fully inclusive as we want. Um, it's going to uh, include fully inclusive language, but in a way that is unique and non-standard. That, <clears throat> such as you know, Jamie just alluded to the language that would, the, the alternative, the alternative that we, <clears throat> that we've heard about, um, that may have that may present some some legal issues or some other issues down the road. Or um, we're going to change. We're going to move forward. We're going to get, you know, we will get um, the policy that we want, and those that wanted to remain behind um are going to be unhappy. So somebody's going to be unhappy and it just depends on um how many and the reason and whether people are unhappy because of progress or whether people are unhappy because we still haven't progressed.
0: Anything that either of you want to add before we wrap this up? Uh, two
1: quick things. One, I I want to reemphasize that that um and to every, anybody out here who's listening, um it is not productive. Even if you are, you know, mad as a hornet about this issue and the and about the outcome of of, of, of last Wednesday, it is not productive to send, um, you know, belittling, insulting, or negative messages to the board members who voted no. Um, the, the way you change minds is by engaging in positive production, <clears throat> positive productive conversation. Um, we've been doing that. We've emphasized that that is the method of the group. We've told people that if they don't like it, fine. They're free to do that, just not as a member or representative of our group. So we're not telling people what they can and can't say, but we are saying that we don't want to be, we don't want to be part of our group and our message. Jamie,
0: any last thoughts?
2: I want to say that I and my husband had really considered moving out of Fishers um, previously because of concerns about culture, frankly, and... This movement has given me hope that there are a lot of people in our community that are um, on the right side of these issues. And um, I hope that if anyone out there still feels alone, that they can join our group to find like minded folks, because that's been such a positive and uplifting thing for me. And it's been a really positive and uplifting thing for people that are much more personally affected by this with children in the school corporation. So if you need that, I think we can also offer that to you.
0: Jamie Karen and Michael Vance are with the organization HS Equal. Thanks to both of you for joining me today. Thanks, thanks for having Larry. us. My thanks to Jamie Karen and Michael Vance for agreeing to appear on the podcast and talk about HS Equal. This is the Larry in Fishers podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I write the LarryInFishers.com local news blog from Fishers, Indiana, a suburban community northeast of Indianapolis. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.